You're listening to the Calm Collective Podcast, and I'm your host, Cassandra. This show was created with the sole intention to bring forth human connection, a space for you to be truly heard, felt, and understood. Here, we dive deep into experiences with grief and loss, growth and expansion, and the human experience as a whole through candid conversations. My mission is to leave no stone unturned so that together we can be reminded day in and day out that we're never in any of this alone, that the ability to create a life that we love, a life that we deserve is within us. Welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I am your host, Cassandra, and as always, I'm so, so grateful that you're here. And if you're new, welcome, welcome, welcome. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to announce something pretty exciting. Um, I've been kind of holding my breath here with this because I had to do a lot of work around releasing the fears of of launching um, this new offering. And... I feel like I'm in a good space. I really believe in this work. I feel so rooted and called to offer this. I feel like the time is perfect. Um, I'm getting all of the right signs to just release control and surrender and um, announce this to all of you. So I am officially holding one-on-one sessions for grief and clarity or grief and overwhelm, whichever way you'd like to look at it. They are two separate offerings. The first one is gentle grieving sessions. And these are for the person who is stuck in their grief, who can't seem to integrate what their new life looks like, um, who is grieving the loss of X, Y, or Z. Grief, I often say, is not just the loss of a human life. It's this giant umbrella that holds so much ache for so many different things. The loss of a job, the loss of a breakup or going through a breakup, the loss of a friendship, um, the loss of a home, grieving a life that once was and really trying to adapt to this new normal. Um, Grief comes in so many different forms and I think they all deserve the space to be acknowledged and to be held with so much grace and so much care Um, and I feel really really excited about these Um, I I've been meditating on this and been thinking on this for so long and sort of had this complex um, crisis of like who am I to to do this work and then I thought who am I not to because I've been through it and the one thing that got me through it was being able to talk about it and to be and to to be felt like I was I was held and cared for and really seen and met where I was at. And that is what these calls are all about. Um, the clarity, the conscious clarity calls are for those who are stuck in a hamster wheel of overwhelm, um, who can't seem to keep their head above water, who feel like they just don't have enough time, um, who can't, they don't feel like they can make a decision, that decision paralysis that is also real when we're stuck in overwhelm and we've lost our ability to prioritize. Um, With these sessions, 
I'm really excited because I'm I'm kind of coming out of the spiritual closet, if you will. I don't think it's any secret that I'm very spiritual, but um, using my intuitive gifts to help really tap into whomever I'm speaking to and who needs that guidance. This requires getting really, really clear um, and having a very nourishing space to be able to take these calls. Um, I feel so lit up to be able to offer support to those of you who might need it and this might not be for everyone and I really want you to trust that when you when you go to book a session if there's any part of you that's like resisting don't do it but if you feel lit up by this offer and you need that extra that extra support I'd be honored to be that person for you because here's the thing you already have everything inside of you already to move forward Oftentimes, we just need that extra support, an extra set of hands just like gently holding us up and giving us the the reminder of our innate wisdom to propel us forward. And that is my sole mission with these sessions is to is to give you just that, the the reminder that you already have all of the answers and together we can dig and we can get to the root and find them. Each session comes with um, nourishing rituals and tools um, and healing modalities to to push you forward um, and to do that gently. Uh, I really hope this resonates with some of you. I'm scared, but I'm so lit up and ready to just like do the work and to to really just pay it forward because I've had so much support in my own healing journey that it feels so incredibly overwhelming in the best way to finally be at a place where I feel good to do this. I feel grounded and centered and truly called to hold this space. So if this interests you um, and it feels it feels aligned, you can uh, visit my website, www.thecalmcollective.com, um, and it's pretty much front and center to book. And so you can book these sessions. They're 60 minutes, and it is up to you whether they are video calls or phone calls. I know not everybody likes to be on video. Um, that is probably my preferred method just because it helps me to be able to, like, really connect with you on an intimate level, um, especially, especially for the clarity calls. But again, I do understand that some people really, um, just like their privacy and are able to crack open a bit more when they don't have that pressure of video. So that is 100% up to you. And then there's also additions. If you feel, um, pulled to those as well, the two additions include a personalized meditation that helps support you through your pain points, whatever we talk about in our session. And then the other one is a recorded um, audio recap of everything that we talked about and um, the healing modalities, the the gentle nourishing tools, all of that good stuff wrapped up with a bow in an audio recording for you to be able to play back. So again, if this feels like it's something that you're interested in, I'd love to hear from you. Again, that's thecalmcollective.com and you could just click book a session and learn all about the two sessions there. Okay, so today's episode, I'm, I feel, I feel so many things about it. I haven't really talked about this much at all. I've talked so much about the the death of my dad and the loss of my dad and my grief journey after losing him. 
but I never really talked so much about what the process was was like with being a caretaker and what that was like, um, which I think is really interesting to to think about that that is such a huge grieving process in itself, right? That falls under the umbrella that I was talking about in the, in the introduction that, um, grief doesn't start the minute we lose a human life. Grief starts when we feel like something has been taken from us or something has shifted dramatically. Um, and for me, that was definitely the day that my dad found out that he had cancer. We knew that nothing was going to be the same again. I was never going to be the same again. And there is some grief to that. Um, I received actually a a question from someone who had just found out that her cousin was diagnosed with cancer. Um, beyond heartbreaking, I hate news like that. I immediately go into this like deep, deep place of myself where all I want to do is wrap that person up and tell them there is nothing else to say other than like this fucking sucks, but I've got you. I have a podcast episode. I think it's episode number four way back in the beginning um, with one of my childhood friends where we chat all about grief and the loss of our fathers. And during this conversation, we also hit the topic of being there for others who find themselves in your same shitty club, right? It's so easy for us to be distracted by our own pain, especially when someone approaches us with theirs. Our instinct may be to curl up in a ball and focus solely on what it is that hurts us and fall back into our own suffering. We think that that will feel good, right? To drown in my own agony some more. There's no way I can be there for this person. But you'd be surprised. The moment that you decide that you can, in fact, hold space for someone who's just joined said shitty club, um, you'll find that you not only have a companion to feel the heaviness with, but you can start to heal yourself in the process. And that's exactly what happened to me. And that's exactly why these gentle grieving sessions and conscious clarity sessions were born is to create that synchronicity, that, that partnership, that, that buddy system, if you will. Another example of this is about three years after I lost my dad, a childhood friend of mine lost hers to cancer as well. And I remember feeling like I could just throw up at the thought of anyone else going through something like this. I wanted to take it away from her and her family instantly. But I knew that all I could do was offer up my presence to honor their pain and to let them know that they weren't alone and to let them know that they had an army behind them. And through helping them through their pain, this is the most interesting piece. I was able to help myself through some of my own. So when I got this question asking if I had any recommendations for how she could support her cousin going through chemotherapy. I won't lie to you. Initially, my heart sank. I was immediately flooded with so many memories of my own dad going through chemo and it just chipping away at his life bit by bit, dose by dose. I was flooded with some anger too around my new reality, around this reality seven years later, some deep, heavy sadness and just like this initial longing to maybe just not answer the question <laughs> and wallow in what I had been through, um, what my family had been through. And then just like that, I snapped out of my own universe and knew that the way to release pain for other people and to release pain for myself was to help in any way that I could. This is my mission, and I truly do feel like this is my calling. Grief is so real and all-consuming. I feel 
as you all know, I feel strongly about breaking the rules when it comes to handling the grieving process. First comes shock, denial, anger, sadness, acceptance. Um, no. First comes sadness, maybe some shock, maybe some more sadness, fear, 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 maybe some more anger where you punch a wall, deep depression, more holes in walls, some more shock, denial, but you're still punching holes, deep sadness with some shock in there, shock, depression, shock, anger. You get my point, right? It's it's just not some system that you graduate from one day. Despite what every book will tell you, it's not a system of steps, step one, step two, step three, or or phases, phase one, phase two, phase three, that you that you complete. This is not a course. This is a painful reality. It's a life flip. It's a nightmare. It's a heartbreak. And as humans, we're so far more complex to be able to go through something as impactful as watching someone you love be in pain or losing someone you love in this specific order. And I really do hate to break it to you, but that's just how it works. And we're nothing but transparent here. So you've really got to swim through some really thick mud, maybe drown a little and gasp for air and realize that your journey towards healing will not look like the person next to you. Even if you have siblings, you'll find that your experience is so different than his or hers. Own that, honor that, and really just honor your process. And going back to what I said in the beginning, I just really want to harp on this for a second that grief can absolutely occur without the actual loss. I mean, grief for me started the moment that my dad got sick and we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, There's this misconception, I think, that it can only occur or is worth being defined if there is an actual loss. And I just don't believe that to be true. Again, it's under this wide umbrella and it's so, so big and it's my, it's my mission and it feels really good for me to, to again, harp on that because I don't think that there's enough air given to, um, what grief is or what it isn't. So with this episode, I do also want to say that if you're going through this soul busting, heart wrenching, but powerful and emotional experience. I'm I'm really I'm really thankful to be able to share this experience with all of you, um, and these these lessons that I've learned along the way. But on the flip side, you might be thinking, "Oh, this episode isn't for me. I don't know anyone who's had chemotherapy. I I can't relate to this." That might very well be true, and to be honest, I am grateful for that. I don't wish this on anybody, but at the same time, I do think it's important that we um, that we give episodes like this a chance to land with us because the only thing it's going to do is expand you in empathy um, and to be able to relate to the human collective that much more. So let's get into it. This was a question, as I mentioned in the intro, um, from someone who is asking how she can support her cousin um, who is going through chemotherapy. So the first thing that came to mind is to be open and honest. So the utmost important thing to remember is that you are 100% allowed to give yourself permission as a caretaker, as a bystander, um, to express your feelings throughout this journey. You will be so much better off if you go into this knowing full well that you too are also experiencing pain and anguish. 
No, it may not be cancer or whatever disease or situation, but your pain and emotions, they do matter too. I'm actually really proud of myself for never being worried about expressing my fears and sadness to my dad. I was always really honest with him and made sure to come from this gentle place as to not scare him into like deep thoughts of possible mortality. But by being honest and open with him when I felt like I needed to, my dad and I had some of the best conversations that I'll take with me forever. I got to say things to him that I may have otherwise kept to myself. And today I really have no regrets of things left unsaid to him before he passed because throughout his entire three-year journey with cancer, I was an open book. Again, on the flip side with that, it might not be the best situation for you to be open and honest with the patient or the person who is going through treatment of any kind, um, which leads me to the next is to seek support. Seek outside help, whether that's a friend who's gone through a similar thing, um, whether you want to work with me through my one-on-one sessions. Just please, I don't care how you do it, but please don't shy away from getting the help that you need to get through this life-altering thing. You might be wondering why I'm focusing on you so much, right, when the question above is how to help a loved one who's going through chemotherapy or treatment of any kind. Well, here's why. If you aren't somewhat steady or emotionally stable, you can't be of service to your loved one. You can show up, you can do the work, hold the hands, feed and bathe, whatever it is that's needed for you, but there's a good chance that you won't be able to provide the emotional support that is so incredibly needed. And so next I would say is to really listen to your emotions. Because I was so in tune with my emotions and I was able to channel them in a healthy way, I was able to be there for my dad in the most profound way, in whatever way he needed, whatever way my mom needed. I remember when we first found out about his stage four cancer and we were starting to tell friends and family, so many people would say, keep him laughing, love and laughter helps. And you literally want to roll your eyes, you do, but then you start to embrace that advice and you see that it actually works. My dad was what they called a medical a medical uh, miracle for a while there. They were so perplexed by his condition that students would be in the hospital room or popping into his doctor appointments all the time to learn. Quite honestly, I hated this when it was happening, but now I've learned to respect it as it could potentially help someone else down the road. But teaching hospitals are really hard when you are um, so protective of the patient and are just integrating a lot yourself. Um, But his doctors would soon tell us that we were a huge part of his ability to keep rebounding. The love and the support that we offered him day in and day out was invaluable, which is yet another reason so important to keep yourself in alignment as best as you can and usually getting that outside help for yourself and acknowledging that you are going through something traumatic as well is the key to get you there. So here are some ideas that we that we did to keep him laughing. Um, I remember following Ellen DeGeneres on Twitter and we would read him the Monday joke of the day each week. Um, That's an example. Also, one of my sisters downloaded this app that makes hilarious and sometimes gross noises. And when it would be really quiet, she'd just push the button and we'd all end up just bursting out laughing. Seeing my dad with tears in his eyes from laughing so hard is a visual I'll have ingrained in my brain forever. So speaking of making them laugh, 
We also wore t-shirts that said Jim's cool on the front and on the back. It said, I know Jim. And we created a song that we performed and recorded um, on YouTube, private YouTube, um, for him. So it was more of like a skit where we each had a part that we wrote and then sang, followed by a chorus. It was hilarious and something I still watch from time to time. Um, We have a license plate on one of my mom's cars that says, Go Jimmy. And that comes from the chorus of this song. It was Go Jimmy, Jimmy Go was the name of the song. So... It's still really special and people like close family friends and friends of mine who know who know of that. It's like Go Jimmy is like this little sacred um, little sacred secret that that feels just very personal and and sweet. Something else to keep in mind that I can't recommend enough is just trying to gather, trying to create a way to show an outpour of love and support. So For my dad's 63rd, which would be his final birthday, I asked our rather large extended family and all of my parents' friends to record three reasons that they loved my dad. I made a video montage of everyone talking about him in that light and played the DVD for him. I recorded his thank you speech about the video at his final birthday dinner, and I literally watched that speech at least once a month. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes if you'd like to see it and hear the video as well. So some realities of chemotherapy that I think are really important to highlight here um, in order to be able to support them in the best way, Uh, you may have somewhat of a gist in regards to the realities of chemotherapy, and all I can really do is tell you what I know from my experience. So while most movies and TV shows show people losing their hair every time they have cancer, we learned that this isn't always the case. There are so many different strands of chemotherapy that are given dependent on the cancer or the disease at hand. So some may let you keep your hair while taking something else from you. My dad had to go through a few different kinds. The first one I remember made him lose most of his hair. He had a really like light peach fuzz on his head and lost his mustache. And then another which made his hair grow in really strange directions. His eyelashes would actually grow down and curl under to the point where my mom would have to cut them. His arm hair was more in like spiral form, things like that. Um, And then another made him blister so incredibly bad all over his head, his hands. They would crack and just bleed constantly to the point where he would have to wear Band-Aids on every finger and super glue his fingers together. Um, He would have waves of feeling okay and then waves of feeling so incredibly sick. There were a lot of late nights to help ease the sickness of helping my mom get him from point A to point B due to weakness. A lot of tending to wounds that he would get from his chemo treatments and his radiation. Um, The point is that while you might not know exactly what side effects your loved one will experience, discomfort is the only constant, right? It causes you to be incredibly cold, to have a majorly decreased appetite. There'll be nausea. It may cause you to lose your hair and, like I said, possibly suffer some bruising and blistering. Um, So some things to say to someone going through chemotherapy. Um, I think this is a very important conversation and it mirrors alongside what I talk about often with like what to say, what not to say to someone who's grieving. Um, So this is kind of what I was talking about before when I mentioned that I was always very open and honest with my dad about how I was feeling. But more than that, I never stopped telling him how loved he was, right? I never skipped the chance to tell him how I really felt or how grateful I was. I took time to share my favorite memories with him and to tell him how proud I was of him. 
But the most important piece here is that I also never took away his validation to feel defeated. So much like going through cancer, I have to imagine, is just so exhausting from what I've seen. I imagine the same goes for having to be positive all the time, right? To feel like if you're not smiling or saying, "Uh, I've got this, you're disappointing and scaring the shit out of everyone around you. I found real value in giving him the space to just be tired or to say that he was angry or scared or frustrated. I found relief when he would let himself go through those emotions out loud rather than keeping them built up internally. So while yes, there are many things that you can say to someone going through chemo, for example, I love you, I'm so proud of you, I hate that you're going through this, or I'm right alongside you, sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is just ask the right questions and let them do the talking, sans judgment. On that same note, I remember um, my best friend when she was going through chemo, she had said to me that the best thing that i did for her during treatment was um, not focus on the fact that she was getting treatment. And so I think that is a really important, important point to make as well as we wrap this episode up is to remember that they're still a human being. They're a human being fighting in a different way. They're a human being going through something horrendous and traumatic, but they're still a human being. And to be able to hold that space for them and remind them that they're still the person that you know and love. And while they are going through something intense to them, they're still your dad, your friend, your mother, your cousin, what have you. It is insane to properly try to articulate how much I miss my dad seven years later, and I swear to you that at times it can feel like it all just happened yesterday. It's so fresh and painful, so sweet and lovely, so complicated and complex, so dark, so beautiful. The journey, the heartache, the memories, the conversations, there's no masking it one way or the other because while some days I'll be cursing the universe from taking him away from us and that he had to go through all of those treatments, other days I think, I'm so damn lucky that I had him for as long as I did in the way that I did. And when I record these episodes in hopes of helping any of you who may find yourself in the same shitty club, I can start to feel myself getting more and more whole. It's painful to revisit, but it's more painful to pretend like it never happened. So thank you so much to the listener for asking this question and thank you for letting me show up here to talk about it and I really just do thank you for trusting me to guide you should you need it